the Black Lives Matter movement is making humongous strides to help make the world better. And what we need to be doing as white allies is stepping aside and passing the mic to amplify black voices. And in accordance with that, X's for Podcast will be featuring black voices discussing any aspect of fandom that they would like. And we have a number of amazing speakers lined up who will either be contributing or part of episodes. And listeners out there, if you have something to say, reach out to us, let us know. We're looking to make sure that the voices that need amplification get amplified right now. It's something I would like to mention because currently at the time of recording this, it is Pride Month, which happy Pride to everyone and all of our ex-fans. I do want to express my thank and my gratitude for the black community and the Latino community, because without them, I wouldn't have a culture. I wouldn't have part of the movement that's not to erase any of the other minorities and other individuals who have helped pave the way for me and to have my rights as a young gay man right now. But it was because of the black and Latino cultures that really is without those two communities, I wouldn't have what I would call gay culture right now. I think Jonah hit everything that really needed to be said. All right. As a Hispanic woman who's lived in the United States for, I was born here. I've lived here all of my life. You know, I've dealt with things of my own and I just want to express my solidarity with my black sister. You know, living as a minority woman is never difficult. And I just feel like regardless of my own personal experiences, black women have had to carry such enormous burden being both black and being women in the different things that are, are oppressing them and things that they have to struggle against in education and healthcare and every aspect of their lives in addition to the emotional weight that they have to carry as women, as avatars of the people. And I just want to express my solidarity with you. I love you. I see you. Black women have supported me my entire life. My entire life, I will return that support. So thank you so much. Exit for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. For all things comics, movies, media, music, and more, check out the Cage Club Network. That's cageclub.me. makes this we are krakoa i'm nico i'm kyle i'm Izito. and i'm jonah and we hope you survive this experience unlike the original five after we're done gutting them out of their current history and replacing them with our own absolutely this is episode 125 and that means it's five cubed and so to celebrate five cubed we're going to be taking the original five and we're going to be making them the really original five we're gonna have alongside the description for anybody who wants to play along access to the quiz and we're gonna be playing a fun little game but before we can get into
into that. DC has announced that they will be departing Diamond Comics. And, you know, there's a lot of different layers to this. They're going with their new Lunar service. But at its heart, there's been a lot of rumors circulating in the last six months that DC could be seeing its doors, as we recognize them, shuttered forever. It was a massive shift seeing the closing of Vertigo and Sandman being spun off into its own line. And one of the big things that we've seen is, as actually was predicted by the hosts of this show, there was a pretty general consensus nearly a year ago and nearly six months ago, yet again, that we're seeing a dynamic shift in comics from an individual paper issue base to a more trades are the way to go sort of format. And while I love the dynastic idea that the funny pages don't have to change, DC has seen tremendous success with their Walmart giant mega monster size $10 books. And Marvel is seeing tremendous success with these Dawn of X trades. And it's kind of looking like DC is making this move to leave Diamond, which will ultimately have many comic shops leave them behind because they believe in number one, their digital initiative. Number two, they believe in the power of their trades through Amazon. And number three, they see the value of individual titles worth printing as worth printing in these monster books produced and sold primarily to Walmart. Now, there's no other way to put it. This is an aggressive attempt against an industry. I don't know that comic shops with a distributor as large as Mile High Comics, who are one of the most famous comic shops and one of the largest comic shops in the history of the world, taking such a dramatic stand against DC and their involvement with Midtown Comics leading to this. It's This is like, I'm not trying to be stupid, but this is like the X-Men moving to Krakoa levels of change in the comic industry on par with the change in the X-Men universe. I personally think this is DC trying to show their, uh, you know, their big dick collection. What do you guys think? I definitely think that it's an interesting move. I see it as a way for DC to more solidify their brand, I guess. But at the same time, it's going to alienate a number of fans who only get their comics from a comic shop. Personally, I wasn't even aware that they were doing Walmart-exclusive books. I'm not a big fan of shopping at Walmart, so I don't think I would ever go to Walmart specifically to pick up a book. Yeah, I, I'm i wondering where this could lead both companies in the future, to be honest. Well, as someone who does not support Walmart, given their background with their employees, I'm just so uncomfortable with this arrangement. I mean, I guess it makes sense from a business point of view because Walmart is ubiquitous across the United States. There are a lot of places where there isn't a comic shop, so Walmart would be the place where a lot of people do get their comics. But I have studiously avoided Walmart quite a while while now. I can't imagine just going into Walmart just to buy a comic book. What confuses me about this entire situation is if they don't want to work with Diamond Distributions anymore, sure, great. Do whatever you want to do. You are a business and if that's the best business decision, do what's best to, that'll make you the most revenue. That being said, I don't think Walmart is their best uh, stop. I don't know how many of their customers are going to be willing to pick up all of the trades that they want at Walmart. It seems a little not fully realized. 
I truthfully don't understand if they don't want to work with Diamond anymore. Why don't they just kind of open up their own shops then? I will say that I am happy that this does start the beginning of the destruction of the monopoly that Diamond held in the printing industry. But what what you said about having to hold multiple licenses that that for uh, local comic shops that does kind of suck in, in that regard. So. It kind of makes me hesitant at the same time. I think this is going to put pressure on both the comic industry and comic culture to redress as a digitals only sort of industry. I think we're going to see a big push for digital weeklies with trade collections. I don't know that with DC making this move, there's going to be a lot of options outside of it. Who knows? Maybe we'll see the return to the newsstand. (gasps) Does this mean we can do newsies? But like with just comic books? So, again, with this being episode 125, we needed to do something a little creative to celebrate the fact that this is a big milestone episode. You know, the X-Men fought Proteus in Uncanny X-Men 125. Excalibur ended with Excalibur 125. Okay, so I can't think of too many comics that get to and do something really interesting with 125, but they're out there, and they're cool, and they're good, and I like them. And this is where we're at. I already did this, and everybody's already taken the quiz, so we're moving forward with this. So I came up with this idea. What if the X-Men were sort of like, like, you know, like gang fucked into a time storm, right? And what if reality as we knew it was upended in a way no one could have seen where instead of the original five being the original five, the sort of trope avatars that they represented would be rearranged and rewritten. Now, sadly, as some of you might have noticed, resident House of X moderator and B-list super fan, Dylan isn't here today. So we're going to be representing his super cool self by reading along sort of the Dylan verse he created by interchanging each one of the original five with another person who could represent the trope. Now, all of us took this quiz, as did a number of other X fans, and I think we're going to find some of the results pretty interesting. So without further ado, guys, welcome to O5 Cubed or Reality Storm or X-Men in a Blender or Really original five or all new all different all old five whatever you want to call it because i I never quite settled on a name (laughs) so everybody knows that the heart and soul of the x-men okay side note one of the things that really kills me i wish storm was one of the original five i know it doesn't make any sense but like just like i it's it's such a cultural thing for me it just drives me nuts that she's not like everybody thinks storm is like such a central part of the heart of the x-men i feel weird calling anything else the heart of the X-Men, but uh, anyway, uh, so Cyclops and Havoc are no more. Which tragic siblings replace Scott and Alex at the heart of the X-Men? Now, the choices I provided were Betsy and Brian Braddock, better known as the Captain's Britain, Sam and Paige Guthrie, Cannon Ballenhaus, Monet and Marius St. Croix, better known as M and M-Plate, John and James Proudstar, Thunderbird, Warpath, Thunderbird, Thunderbird, Pietro and Wanda Maximoff, and we're gonna say this is the 616 version, so nobody has to go, Ugh. And Reagan Wingard and Martinique Jason, the ladies' mastermind. Now, I'll be honest, nobody voted for them, which shocked the shit out of me. But in fact, the most popular by far, with an overwhelming 60% of the vote, were Brian and Betsy. People would love to see Brian and Betsy as the Scott and Alex of the 05. What did you guys think? Hold on. 
you're confused that nobody said the Sisters Wingard? Aren't you and Dylan the only people who like them? No, 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 no. Everybody likes Reagan because she wears like a purple Emma suit and uh, Chris Bacalo drew her like way too well, like way too well. Like she was like a real person way too well. I, I guess nobody likes Martinique. It's, you know, sort of like you get that one, you get that other one. Personally, I I just kind of click more with Betsy and Brian. I think that they have such a big connection to the X-Men at this point that it makes sense for them to take over the Cyclops and Havoc uh, slot. I also agree that there's kind of nobody for me but the siblings Braddock, and they even give you that third sibling, the possibly bad one. Actually, I also voted for the Braddock. <laughs> But I really had to sit and think because I really wanted to vote for Monet and Marion and John and James. And I sat and thought for several minutes about which one to pick. But I ended up going with Betsy and Brian because I think their dynamic more closely mirrors the other uh, pairs that were listed. For the record, Dylan also had the same problem. And while I'm going to reveal the Dylan verse at the end, Dylan referred to this question as particularly evil. Well, yeah, you have Monet and Marius, and then you also have both Proud Stars there, and then you also have more <laughs> characters that I've never heard of, and I'm probably sure a lot of our fans have never heard of. So yeah, Dylan loves those kinds of characters. So I also voted for <laughs> Betsy and Brian. Part of the, uh, But my second choice wasn't Monet and Marius, or both um, Proud Stars. It was actually Sam and Paige. Only because I feel like it'd be really funny if it was all the Guthries. It was just a team of Guthries. <laughs> because they're all just mutants at this point. <laughs> so you're suggesting sort of a mix between Power Pack and just the ten of us. Or your, yours, mine, and ours. <laughs> cheaper by the dozen. Whatever you want to... <laughs> Sort of like, sort of like an explosively weird Waltons where everyone can fly. And everyone knows your name. But the reason why I chose Betsy and Brian was because I feel like their dynamic can be replicated without, like, at, like can be substituted for the Alex Scott storylines. Like, Betsy would be the main X-Men member, and then Brian would, like, occasionally show up, and people would be like, we're gonna use Brian for evil, and he's gonna be the power source, and Brian's like, no! And Betsy's like, don't use my twin like that! And then they're like, no! And then they also have the evil older brother, and it works. Yeah, I don't think anybody that chose Betsy and Brian saw Brian in the Scott role. <laughs> no. Well, Definitely not. from Scott and Alex to another gentleman who helped kick off the X-Men, if Iceman had melted away through the haze of this reality storm, what elemental mutant would step in to take the snowball's place? Now, the choices were longtime X-Men villain, now Marauder Pyro, Queen of All Things, Storm, Surge, who is a member of the new X-Men Academy X team, who has electrokinesis, Nori is an awesome character, beloved Richter with his tectonic control, X-Men Deadly Genesis and second wave character Petra with her terrakinesis, as well as Nori's teammate from the new X-Men Academy X, Wind Dancer, who has aerokinesis. Once again, the landslide is ridiculous, with Storm garnering 60% of the votes. That means now nobody votes 
voted for Reagan and Martinique in the previous question, and nobody voted for Wind Dancer in this one. So, Aww. yeah, you know, I love Sophia, so it breaks my heart because, like, I think she deserves the vote, but, like, I voted for Storm. So who the fuck am I? I, I voted for Storm. <laughs> I really wanted to vote for Sophia. I really wanted to vote for Sophia, but I also voted for Storm. <laughs> I voted for Storm because it's the correct answer. Um, <laughs> I felt I I like part of my thought process of picking these characters were if they were part of the original five, I feel like they would be able to get a little bit more spotlight and have love if they don't have a bigger fan base already i feel like it's kind of injustice already that storm isn't really part of the original five even though canonically charles met her as a little thief in cairo and knew there was something special about her or some bullshit that i think should have been like whatever anyway for me i actually went with richter i was hesitant to to choose storm because i personally feel that she deserves her own spot not just to take over a spot that was previously held by Iceman and I was kind of also seeing these questions as like their their function in the team like Iceman was kind of the joker he and he was younger character and stuff like that so I I chose Richter because of that um I not specifically because of those qualities but because i wanted to see more of richter and i didn't feel that storm was a good option for that slot yeah and you're you're not alone in that the previous question was everybody was just sort of you know put to shit by the braddocks with the guthries only getting 10 percent of the vote the proud stars getting 10 percent of the vote and the maximoffs getting 15 percent of the vote while in this one pyro did receive 10 percent of the vote richter did get 20 percent now that's pretty significant so kyle you're not alone on that i want i would like to make it on record that richter was my second choice because they're both gays and we need more gays we mean not specifically in the x-men because i feel like everyone in the x-men is just basically kind of like queer umbrella that might have been an ulterior motive for me choosing director i considered it from the same angle (laughs) i considered it from the queer latino angle yeah i was like queer latinos now okay well all right Everybody did not quite go so queer on the next question, and I want to poke everyone's eyes out. And that includes myself, because I didn't pick this person either. So, if the feral beast didn't find his furry way to the X-Men, what animalistic mutant would take his place? The options presented were X-23, Vivisector, Sasquatch, Wolfsbane, Feral, and Tatiana Caban, who is from... NYX, for those unfamiliar, it was a series around 2004. And now, no one chose Vivisector from my precious, precious ecstatics. And he's gay, guys. He's gay. So you could have had a gay wolf person. But no. However, I uh, would like to point out that I chose X-23. (laughs) But however, and I was shocked, the fucking far and away two winners were number one Wolfsbane with 40% of the vote. That was surprising enough for me. Sasquatch, second place, 30% of the vote. What? 
Well, you see, I picked Sasquatch because he's basically just an orange beast, you know, super genius, built like a linebacker, both played football, are really important scientists to their respective teams. It's literally the exact same character. (laughs) One is just blonde and the other technically has red hair. And they both wear glasses. That might have been my uh, explanation, too. <laughs> Actually, count me in because that's the same one I voted for. <laughs> but I, I will say that I completely blanked when it came to Vivisector. As I've been reading through it, I kind of enjoying his character. So place him as my second choice. My second choice was Tatiana, which uh, big shout out to House of X fan and member Michael, who chose Tatiana. I choose my second choice. So I'm with you. All right. I think maybe I overloaded this with a lot of ecstatics choices and then no one chose any of them, but it's whatever. The wonderful winged avenging angel had never joined Grey Malkin Manor, so instead, what physically different mutant took his place? We have Annalie from the New X-Men Academy X run, Angel Salvador from New X-Men, Marrow, the Morlock who... Glob Herman, who I put in as a joke, but he got 10% of the vote, so the fuck I know! Skin (laughs) and Mr. Sensitive. So, you know, I thought this one was kind of like, uh, gonna be a no-brainer runaway. I thought this was just gonna be everybody picked Angel Salvador, but they didn't, so I was sort of shocked at her only taking 25% of the vote. Once again, the gays have it, and Annalie took 30% of the vote. Skin did come in with a close 20%, Marrow has 15%, and 10% went to Glob Herman. Glob Herman got more votes than Mr. Sensitive. It turns out I am the only person who liked Ecstatics, and that's good to know. (laughs) Well, I haven't read it yet, so I don't count. (laughs) i haven't read enough of ecstatics yet to really get mr sensitive so i can't count it either honestly i really don't have any connection with to any of these characters uh i really wasn't a fan of angel salvador to begin with so i just kind of chose marrow here well i'm so happy some people chose skin because i love skin even though i didn't vote for him um, I love Angel Salvador, so it made sense to me to vote for her because she does have wings, and that's what Warren's place was. <laughs> and, you know, she sort of represents that, like, intentionally argumentative figure that Angel also represented. Like, that, oh no, I, I don't do this. <laughs> I No, I don't do this. Like, <laughs> I'm with you. I chose Angel Salvador because, like Regina, I love her. Nico was not surprised when we were first reading New X-Men with him that I would love Angel. She's a character that, first, I don't know exactly what it is about her, but she's a character that I kind of hold dear in my heart, whether it's that because she falls in love with Beak and they have great, beautiful children. But in her original appearance, I wasn't fully happy with her portrayal. And I feel like with a different writer she would be able to shine in a way that doesn't come across as offensive. And I feel like having someone who is, as Nico said, kind of an agitator, someone who's willing to push back against authority and kind of stand up for themselves and what they do think is right, I think would be a really great addition to a team. 
So, Regina, when I reveal the next answer, it's it's something that occurs to me that I know you've mentioned before, and I think it's really made clear with these answers. The only people in this quiz to garner 50% or more of the vote are some of the women powerhouses. In the first two questions, Psylocke and Storm each garnered 60% of the vote, and the answer here, Emma Frost, is 50% of the vote. Now, the question was, if Phoenix wasn't the first psionic X-Man, what mentality would take her place, our choices being Chamber, Moonstar, Emma Frost, Hellion, Quentin Quire, and Pixie. Now, I'm sure there's a possibility you went with someone other than Emma Frost. Why do you, I mean, you've mentioned the the women are the backbone of the X-Men. While the men get the glory, it's the women that, that can sort of, that sort of become central to the team. I think it's really made clear here by the women kind of dominating the responses. Yeah, when I was looking at the um, responses, I really looked at first because he has been able to handle the phoenix before and emma frost has also but i had to go in my girl moonstar and i do think that i hate well i don't hate to say it i'm not going to apologize for saying it i think that the women of the x-men are the best character and i'm not sorry I don't think you should be. The women are the ones who in so many ways have sold the book forever. Yes, Wolverine. Yes, but you can buy any book for Wolverine. If you wanted Rogue, if you wanted Storm, if you wanted Jubilee or Psylocke, the women were in X-Men. Cyclops would appear somewhere else because he was the leader and Beast would show up in Avengers. If you wanted the women, you had to come read X-Men. And I think that really has resonated throughout the years in the women's continued popularity. The big muscle comes and goes but you know emma frost's diamond form is forever (laughs) so this i thought was the most evil question because i had three answers i wanted to pick I went with Emma because I am the Emma fanboy. There's, I, I couldn't not. I, it is part of my brand now that I have to just stand Emma because it's what she deserves. Well, actually, no, she doesn't deserve anything good in life, but <laughs> that's beside the point. I wanted to, my second choice was Moonstar because I would currently rank Danny as my number five ex-woman of all time of everybody I've read. She deserves so much greatness in her life, and I feel like having... A character that young would be really interesting for the original five, considering that's how, like, around the age they started. But my other one I wanted was Chamber, because I'm quickly starting to fall in love with Chamber, and I feel like it would just be really funny to have him on there. I also just love his name. He just has a really great name. Jonathan uh, Starsmore. That's just like, what is a name besides anything without having a mouth to say it? (laughs) so i also struggled with this one because i am equally a emma moonstar and quentin choir fan but i decided to go with quentin because i just love that asshole (laughs) (laughs) he's such a jerk and i love it and i normally don't like jerks but i like him yeah you know he is the cuckiest little pain slave and and I just I have such a nice collar and ball gag set waiting for him. And I just <laughs> love Quentin Choir so much. While Emma Frost did take a resounding 50% of the vote, Quentin got a solid 25. And I do want to give it up for Danny Moonstar, who I think pulling in 20% of the vote against Emma Frost and Quentin Choir is pretty significant. We're going to get to some really amazing stuff with Danny. But it's sort of like... <laughs> 
Danny kind of has like this rivalry with Emma that I feel like gets mis like I'm trying to find the right way to put it. I feel like people don't respect Danny and Emma's rivalry. Everybody's like, oh, the great rivalry is Emma Jean. And then they're like, oh, the second great rivalry is Emma Kitty. And then they're like, I guess if you can't get either of them, Emma can fight Danny. But like, no. So like, I think it's really cool to see Danny, you know, hold her own as a character that's been really underrepresented. And I like that it's a solid 20%. I like that. I would, I would just really love a storyline involving Danny with the Phoenix. I really hate that the Phoenix ended up being a giant hoe. The Winter Shadow started getting different posts other than Jean Grey because they make it very clear at certain points that she was supposed to be the only host. And then she just starts like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna spread the love and infect everybody else. <laughs> And Danny's never had the opportunity. So if they're going to let the Phoenix be a giant hoe, then Danny deserves to have a moment with her. <laughs> and I think Danny's power of being able to manifest things people fear would really um, be a terrifyingly ugly thing to give the Phoenix Force. So I am in. Man, could you imagine? That would be so amazing. <laughs> oh, man. That would be so cool. Speaking of things that I kind of can't imagine. So, you know, if you try to take away Magneto and Xavier, the X-Men kind of crumble to oogly bits. So my question would then be, who would then become the dichotomy, the polar opposites propelling mutant kind? And you could pick any two of these. And the choices I provided were Mystique, Mr. Sinister, Apocalypse, Sebastian Shaw, Pete Wisdom, Callisto, Celine, Cassandra Nova, Cable, Destiny, Mr. Trip, and Margarly Zardos. All people who have raised or organized groups of mutants and have power of their own to achieve their own end. Now, I thought with 12 options, I wouldn't get too many doubles, but sure enough, four pairs received two votes. Mystique and Celine received two votes. Cable and Mr. Sinister received two votes. Now, I get that. Cable and Apocalypse received two votes, and I get that. But you know what? Apocalypse and Destiny received two votes votes and i'm really into that now my choice was pete wisdom and cassandra nova but i should point out that apocalypse showed up on the most lists at 35 percent of the vote and then cable and destiny showed up each on 30 percent of the lists which was pretty exciting so what did you guys think about this question who were your polar opposites locked in eternal combat <laughs> immortal wombat dun 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 uh, uh. It's, it's an immortal wombat. You know, I know we already used Storm in one of the earlier questions, but I would have loved Storm and Callisto to be on this list together. I know why we can't have that, but I would have voted for that. But I did end up voting for Captain Apocalypse, especially now that they're on Krakoa, and you can see where they somewhat align. Although technically Cable's not on Krakoa, except for his younger self, and my brain just exploded. 
this really wasn't my first choice, but it was what I ended up going with. I decided that I wanted to pair up Apocalypse versus Selene, just a an eternal struggle between two factions of mutants. And I don't know, I, th- I thought that that was a, would be a pretty interesting combination there. But my original choice that I was going to go with, that I kind of wish that I chose anyway, was pitting Mystique against Destiny as kind of star-crossed lovers, but, like, Destiny realizes that Mystique's going to do something bad to the whole mutant community, so she has to stop Mystique. I love it. I love any dichotomy of these you want to do, and I gotta be honest, I really do regret putting Storm on the Elementals list after you made that really compelling argument, Regina. (laughs) So, originally... Uh, I was going to put Mr. Sinister and Celine because I thought it would be funny if Mr. Sinister was a good guy and him be exactly the same, but, like, this weird, creepy vampire who, like, tortures children is, like, a hero, question mark. But then I actually went with Sinister and Destiny because I thought... So they met at Pride, but, like, <laughs> Destiny didn't like Sinister's vibe. And I I think Mr. Sinister would be, like, he doesn't really, like, want to have sex or is, like, sexually attracted to people. But he's just, like, yes! And he's just, like, you know, he's he's the whole Pride float. And then Destiny and Mystique would be, like, no. No, he's bad. I don't like the way he's going about things. And I just thought Destiny would make a great, like, leader because she would be able to direct people and be like, no, he's going to do this, do this instead because of her psychic powers and being able to see the future. And then that's basically what happened. I figured it would just be a battle of the gays. Mr. Sinister orchestrated the entire thing. (laughs) What a horrifying pride parade you just illustrated. (laughs) I'd like to point out that nobody voted for Mr. Tripp from X Factor, the investigations era, and nobody voted for Kurt and Amanda, the adorable couple's mom. Nah. Incest joke goes clunk. So the last question is actually the only question for which we got six different answers. If the Grey Malkin Manor is no longer the home base of the X-Men, where would it have shifted to? We had the Excalibur Lighthouse, the Braddock Manor at Darkmoor, the Massachusetts Academy, Asteroid M, Ship, and Genosha. Now, for me, this one kind of is like a no-brainer. The Braddock Manor at Darkmoor is basically living in a mystically powered holodeck from Star Trek, and it can't be destroyed, and it has an intelligent butler made of light, and his name is Mastermind, and he he literally cares for the nanny. So, okay, there's like this like maid, essentially there's like a live-in servant who lives at the Braddock Manor, and the access to other world that you know not brian but his evil-ish father the experiments and everything like it ultimately warped her brain so she has severe dementia right mastermind the sentient computer that powers the braddock manor at darkmoor just takes care of her while she sundowns as an old butler so she feels safe like i i want to live there is this the the mage that also unplugged the computer that saved the world or something yes yes that maid he forgives her It's that computer and that maid. Oh my gosh. So I want to live there. However, it turns out that it just a handful of people that have been paying attention to the Captain Britain feed <laughs> want to live there with Genosha taking 30% and then the Massachusetts Academy coming in with a solid 25%. 
Just give me the lighthouse. I love the lighthouse so very, 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 very much. I love it. Well, you are not alone. The lighthouse did pull in a solid 10% of the vote. Well, I voted for cable in my last question, so I ended up going with ship. What a delicious choice. My second choice without question. Our Amazon, I don't want to say its name. Our Amazon automation devices are actually named things like that as are our tablets like Ship, Professor, Gray Malkin. Uh, our router is named Ascani Sun. So like, I, I love it. <laughs> oh no, I'm totally with you. It was my second choice. It was totally my second choice. I'm with you a thousand trillion percent. <laughs> I almost went with the Massachusetts Academy, but I <laughs> So just for clarification, this ship was originally Apocalypses and then became X-Factors? And then became Cables hundreds of years from then. What? Okay. Okay. I kind of like that. Yeah. And when Cable gets it, he reprograms it to respond to Professor. So oh. whenever I, I used to run out of a room, I would say, Professor, body slide by one, and then run. <laughs> So I went with the Massachusetts Academy because Emma, but actually because it's basically just the Xavier School, just set in Massachusetts as opposed to upstate New York. It even has its own danger room and everything. But also, I just want to read about the Hellions, and I would read, I would have read Hellions if it was a title where it just focused on Emma and her students, though I only like, like, two of them, so it's fine. <laughs> You don't have to really root for them. You just have to accept that they wear 80s aerobic suits. So our wonderful, amazing Dylan is not here with us today, but we are going to summon his very spirit by reading his list. So if given the opportunity to replace Cyclops and Havoc, unshockingly, Warpath Dylan would go with John and James Proudstar. Now, I'm sure it was like killing him to go between Monet and, and, and Warpath, <laughs> but he did ultimately fall on the side of the Proudstar family, unshockingly. He chose to include Storm on his original list, though knowing him, he was probably pretty torn up about leaving out his precious Richter. Oh man, he chose Feral over Wolfsbane and X-23. Ah, he would replace Iceman with Storm and Beast with Feral. So for those playing at home, this is quite an X-Men. I can't wait to reveal it to you guys at the end. If Dylan never had to deal with Angel, he would have unsurprisingly included Included Marrow. All too excitedly, he would replace Phoenix with Emma Frost. <laughs> he would have his X-Men and Brotherhood led by Mystique and Callisto, and he would move them out to Genosha. So that would make Dylan's original five, Warpath, Storm, Feral, Marrow, and Emma Frost led by Mystique on Genosha. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> I'm scared of them, but I'm so into it. <laughs> so look at just want me, uh... our own space time. Yeah, no, Jonah. Replacing the original Jonah's got five it. with our oh, okay. For the most part, everybody here kind of has a very almost similar original five, with some one or two differences here or there for most people. I think all teams are pretty valid and interesting, except if you chose Sebastian Shaw. But 
you know, it's always fun to, to kind of think about what could have been. Kyle, is anything coming out this week? Actually, yes, we have two new Xbooks coming out this week. We have Excalibur number 10 and New Mutants number 10. And we'll be covering those when our normal coverage resumes. Until next time, though, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82. Regina, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Red Queen of X, and on Facebook at the House of Goblin Queen. And you can find our missing co-host, Dylan, at Warpath underscore Dylan on Instagram and on Facebook at the House of X Facebook I help him moderate. And Dylan, Jonah, where can everybody find you? You can find me at the Mutant Pride Parade, where I'm on the same float as Mr. Sinister, because I feel like that would just be funny, on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah. Nico, where can everybody find you? Not at that Pride you Parade. Come with me? You guys can find... No. When he laughs, metal click clacks in his mouth. No. Wow. So, But you know what's funny? Relatable. Like, I People would love like a plushie of him with the teeth and everything. Like, I would cuddle it. Anyway, you guys can find me all over this amazing network on Mondays and Thursdays here on this show covering <laughs> modern comics as well as throwbacks. We will be resuming our coverage of live comics once there's like a steady stream of them coming out. Until then, we're going to be resuming our coverage of the X-Men Origins line, which has been a blast. Don't forget to check out HTML, Kevo and my show, that we cover Star Wars The Clone Wars currently, but zoom around all sorts of multimedia franchises. You can also find me over on Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And until then, ladies and gentlemen, please remember it is important to stay active and alert to the world going on around us. Please listen to the voices that need to be amplified right now. Stay smart, stay strong, and keep those mutant lights lit. And we'll see you. Bye. Bye.